0: now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Beautiful day, and it's a great day to go out and buy. That's Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. It certainly wasn't the biggest moment of Tuesday, but, you know, Matt has to appease himself. A right-hand hitter, and the pitch is swung on and hit in the air to right and deep. Back goes Naquin on the track. He's at the wall. She's gone. Oh, what a start for the Yankees. It's judgment day. Aaron Judge just did a two-run home run, a judge blast to right field. And the Yankees immediately take a 2 nothing lead. It could not have started better for the Yanks. Bieber is an excellent pitcher. But sometimes you have to look within the numbers to say, wait a minute, how did we get there? Well, how did we get there with him? Five wins against the Pirates, the Tigers, and the Royals. He didn't face a lineup like the Yankees. All season. And last night they got him. Doesn't mean down the road he won't get them. Now, it won't be in this series. But doesn't mean down the road he doesn't become a better postseason pitcher against better lineups. Because he certainly is very talented. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. Uh, Here is James Franklin earlier on Micah Parsons.
0: In a really good place. Um, we had great conversation with with Micah um, and and both his mom and dad. I think you guys know we had a really strong relationship with their whole family. And you know, I think there was legitimate, um, you know, legitimate possibility for that happening. But as we continued to talk and continue to work with it, the timing of it, uh, you know, made it made it challenging. He, he had been gone for so long and been in California training. That, that that made it a little bit more complicated than we were able to work through, so uh, um, that that won't be happening, and uh, we understand the decision, and just like we were on the front end, supportive of the decision, um, and in a lot of ways, you know, the time has allowed us to really kind of work through some of that. You know, obviously there's a lot of excitement about, you know, Jesse Laketta and Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith and Charlie Catcher and Lance Dixon, and then obviously the new guys as well, Curtis Jacobs and Zariah Fisher and Tyler Elsdon, so we feel like we got a really good group there. Um, there's flexibility there in terms of guys that we would consider more suited to be box backers, guys that we think are more suited to be field backers, and then obviously also the ability in today's day and age of college football of, of being able to play star and uh, you know our, our nickel situation where we play with five defensive backs, so. Um, you know, we think we're in a good place. It, it's obviously a position of strength. You, you never want to lose players, but um, you know, we feel like that's a position of strength for us, and excited about what those guys are going to be able to do moving forward.
1: Yeah, no, no question about that. And that's what I talked about. It's the depth part of it that is so uh, critical. They've been able to rebuild the depth there. He didn't get into the offensive line at all today, but it, that's okay because I'll do that with him tomorrow night on the show when we get into it. Uh, James will be on the show tomorrow night. Uh, He'll be on in the 630 half hour tomorrow. And so we'll get more into personnel and depth on the offensive line and what it means uh, moving forward. Because they've worked so hard in recruiting across the board. But they really had to work hard in recruiting up front to rebuild that depth. And it was a long process. And they had to work a while. The other position, ironically, it took them a while to rebuild the depth in was linebacker. Well now they have it. If you had to pick a time in James Franklin's tenure that they could absorb and opt out by a Micah Parsons, it actually would be now. Because they have Jesse Lucetta, because they have Ellis Brooks, they have Brandon Smith, Lance Dixon, Charlie Catcher, Curtis Jacobs, you know, and then you go on with, with the, the two other kids, Fisher and Elsdon who obviously have have nice futures to them. So I wanted to make sure that you know we, we pointed that out before we move forward. Uh, all right, I want to get to some media stuff for a second. One is on Major League Baseball, and one is on the NBA. We'll get to the NBA second, because... There's some significance I want to get to about them where there's a lot of danger signals right now that they need to take a long, hard look at. But let's talk about baseball first. Yesterday's A's-White Sox game, I'm going to venture most of you did not see it. But what ESPN has been doing with baseball, which is not what they've been doing with football or with basketball, Mike Breen and his crew are in Orlando. Mark Jones and Doris Burke were in Orlando. All the TNT people were in Orlando. You know, I don't mean the studio people. I'm talking about Brian Anderson, Chris Weber, Reggie Miller. They were all in Orlando, so they were there. ESPN college football, Sean McDonough. Todd Blackledge had been there. Uh, the, um... Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet had been there, although Herbstreet actually did the Miami-Florida State game from Nashville. And the reason he had to was uh, because he had been exposed. He doesn't have COVID, but was exposed to it, so he thought he should stay out quarantine for a week. Alright? And... The... Um, but they've been doing their, all their baseball stuff with the exception of a Tim Kirchner or a Buster Olney all their baseball work has been remote all of it and yesterday was one of those unqualified disasters uh, Dave Fleming who's very very good does the San Francisco Giants and does a lot for ESPN In fact, Dave was here to do the Penn State Michigan State basketball game in March first-class guy to to deal with. No getting around it. And he was in Charlotte yesterday doing the game. Meanwhile, Jessica Mendoza was in Bend, Oregon at her home doing the game. And uh, Dave Fleming was getting a pure feed from the ballpark she was on a second-and-a-half delay, and the entire broadcast was a mess. It was a mess. And it was a huge problem, even trying to do interviews on the field. They tried to do a dugout interview with Bob Melvin, the Hayes manager, and he's like, he finally threw his hands up, he couldn't hear him. Breaking up, couldn't hear them. So he had to step aside, get back to his job. They have to make the move back to putting people in the booth. Simple as that. You have to. I admire what Scott Fransky and LA have done. Fransky has been brilliant. He's called every game. He called every game from Citizens Bank Park. He was brilliant doing it. But I think at some point you've got to get back to the ballpark. There are things that you can see. Look, you are you are separated from the players. You are up in a booth. You're in your own room. And they need to get themselves back to that because yesterday was a day where it was obvious. Doc Emmerich is brilliant. Now, they were in a bubble up in Edmonton. So Doc Emmerich did all of his playoff games, whether it was Toronto or Edmonton. He did all the games, including the Stanley Cup Final, from his home in Michigan. Doc Emmerich is brilliant. I thought he did a great job with it, but there were moments where you could tell he wasn't there physically. He's trying to pick up a number, trying to pick up the flow, something away from the play he didn't see. I remember Eddie Olchek pointing out there was a penalty or whatever because Eddie Olchek was there, and he could see the official put his put his arm up, the signal a penalty. Well, it wasn't on camera. But Eddie Olchek, Brian Boucher, Pierre McGuire are all there, but Doc wasn't. And there were times I could tell that Doc Emmerich physically was not in the building yeah there is a point where you gotta look around and say hey look let's, let's be smart about this we can do this and they can they can do this they're doing it for college football already they're doing it for the Monday night football games already they're there you think Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are in the stadium? Of course they are. And baseball's got to get back to that as well. I think at the, in the end it you know, unless there's a certain circumstance. You know, Doc Emmerich's in his seventies, so I understand why he didn't want to do it. I got that part. Uh Jerry Remy is a cancer survivor. I got that part. You know, there's certain things that, you know, you you know that that get added into this. Then there's the NBA. I don't think anybody realizes um, how bad the ratings are. For the first time in decades, for the first time in decades, the NBA conference final. Right? was had fewer than 5 million viewers. And not only that, <laughs> for the first time ever, Nielsen was including restaurants. In other words, out-of-house ratings. Which means that these games... We're getting a 5 to 12% boost from restaurants that had the game on. 5 to 12%, and they still didn't crack 5 million. Last year, the Warriors swept. Portland in the Western Conference Final swept them and they averaged 7.7 million viewers now you get the Lakers with LeBron against Denver 4.4 million viewers really? that's a 40% drop Eastern Conference Final Miami, Celtics, 3.9 million viewers. Way off. Kobe Bryant played 41 conference final games in his career. Not 41 times he was in the conference final, obviously, but 41 conference final games in his career. Not one ever dipped below 5 million viewers. None. Zero. For the NBA... here's the deal it is either time of the year people aren't used to it or it's competition from other sports sometimes that happened sometimes it didn't they didn't have any competition Saturday night or there's a problem That means not now and not in the NBA Finals. This will not be rectified in the NBA Finals. This is going to be the lowest um, rated Finals in years. Um, But again, they're going to get that boost. The boost is going to be from... The out-of-house market. Again, these ratings numbers do include out-of-house for the first time ever. That's a seven to twelve percent boost. So just take ten percent. Just take a ten percent boost. Set of four-point. Uh, four-point. What four million? I said is probably by three point nine or four million in terms of what the rating would have been last year. That's way off. So it's not now this is going to happen, but it means to me the next year for the NBA is going to be absolutely critical. Because next year is going to show whether this was an aberration or a problem. I made the assumption, and I talked about it openly on the show, that when sports came back, you would see people are so anxious to see it after missing it, you'd see a real boost in it. Well, the NHL did pretty well. Believe it or not, Major League Baseball has done very well. Guess who hasn't done well? The NBA hasn't done well from the jump on this. And even with a 7 to 12% boost that wasn't there a year ago, from out-of-house ratings, out-of-your-house ratings, which they'd never done before, Nielsen's never done before, they still weren't even remotely close to the standard they were looking for. So this is either an aberration because of time of year, not used to it, competition from other sports, or the NBA has a problem. If I'm the NBA, especially with everything that's gone on in the past year, starting with their preseason a year ago to now, I'd be really worried that it is the latter. They have a problem. I'd, I'd be worried about that. Not saying they're going to have it; they may turn out just fine. May turn out just fine. But as of right now, that's the big question: Are the ratings for NBA basketball their biggest games, their biggest showcase games? Is it an aberration because of circumstances, or is they, or is there a problem? And if I were them, I'd be worried it's the latter. Because people were supposedly missing this, missing this, missing this. And guess what? Of all the sports that have come back, they lost viewers. Come back with more in a moment on... the market shows your vehicle's worth. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Don't forget, coming up tomorrow, it is week four of the high school football season. you believe that? We're already into week four. And we spent much of July and a little bit into August fretting whether we would have a high school football season. Now we're heading into week four. So we'll have our high school football roundtable tomorrow at 335. We're looking forward to that. So that'll be a big part of tomorrow's show. And uh, coming up here in the last half hour, we'll hear some of James Franklin's press conference. And then James Franklin will be on the show with me tomorrow night. He'll be on the last half hour, 6.05 to 7 o'clock. So he'll be on the 6.30 half hour. Uh, to be honest with you, we'll, we're, based on how the press conference went today, which you're going to hear in the final half hour, you prob- it's probably, Uh, It actually opens the door for me to talk about uh, more about personnel groupings and so forth compared to what he talked about today. And the questions he got today were great. I'm just saying I'm trying not to duplicate what other people are doing when there's a tight window between a press conference and a talk show. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. James Franklin, takeaways from his press conference. Final half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
0: Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kearwoods 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Our thanks to Jerry Dulac, who joined us in the 3.30 half hour talking about the Steelers and the Steelers-Titan situation. That game will be played either Monday or Tuesday, so we'll see how the week plays out. Uh, but uh, the NFL's not going to look too kindly on Tennessee with the circumstances. Look, diligence is critical with this. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert, but common sense tells you this. There are people that are, that are on the extremes of this, as you know. Have you noticed that, Matt? There are people that are on the extremes. Have you noticed that? A little bit, yeah. With everything. So for those who say, oh, it's just the flu. Well, in some cases it is. But in other cases, it is very dangerous. We have, unfortunately, a death toll number that is awful. And when you look at how contagious it is, symptomatic, asymptomatic. You don't mess around with it. You need to be diligent. You need to be cautious. You need to respect it. Wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands. Those, quote, little things that can make a big difference. But then there's the other side. Just because you have two or three positives, you don't go into the fetal position either. So, on one end, you don't brush it off as just the flu. On the other end, you don't go, oh my goodness, we're in the, and get in the fetal position. It's in the middle. Be diligent, be cautious, do your part, live your life. And that's why the NFL is going to play on. They're going to play on. That's why they have 53 people. They're going to keep playing. Now, they're they're in a problem because somebody wasn't diligent. They They weren't cautious. And that's how they got to this spot. But at the same time, you can't get into the field position and shut it down. You keep going. That's why you've got expanded practice squads this year, because you were looking at the possibility this might happen. So it's... Now, maybe it's tilted to you one side of the middle or the other, but it's still in the middle. Don't tell me it's one side or the other. It's somewhere in the middle, but maybe it's tilted one way from the middle in the direction you think it is. Somebody else may tell me it's tilted in the other direction, but it's still in the middle somewhere. I think that's a common-sense way of looking at it, and that's why the NFL is going to play. They'll figure out what to do with this game. But you have to respect it. If you don't sit there and respect it and take it for granted, then then you you got a mass outbreak. If you're diligent about it, then you have a better chance of keeping some control over it. But let's be honest. Do you really believe it's going to get to zero? Nothing ever gets to the zero, except for the ratings on this show. All right, so. <laughs> oh, ratings for Chickalimic football, huge. <laughs> We're doing better than the NBA. Oh, you're just cruel about that. <laughs> Don't tweet it out. You'll get a tweet back from LeBron.
0: All right. True.
1: James Franklin earlier today had a chance to talk with the media.
0: Obviously excited about, you know, practice today. Things have, have gone well, you know, in the new normal is how I would descri- describe it. Um, you know, we've gotten a lot out of the last couple weeks uh, from a meeting perspective, from a practice perspective, from an installation standpoint. It's been really good. Uh, I would actually say it was even positive yesterday we had bad weather. We had rain. And we were able to get wet ball work, which which I always love. I think it drives the players crazy a little bit that that we got an indoor facility and and uh, I want to be out in the rain. Um, but you know, I thought that was really good for us. I think it's important to do that before you get started started with your season. But I'm excited about all three phases. We've got three veteran coordinators, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, feel really good about the staff that we put together feel really good about the leadership that we have on our team and um, I know there's a lot of excitement and anticipation you know moving forward so um, again appreciate everybody getting on and, and look forward to answering you guys questions
1: we will start with Mark Brennan from Lions 24-7 with Fight on State Mark
0: James I have my video on even though I'm sharing bandwidth with my daughter so if she gets booted off I'm blaming you I appreciate it. You got shorts on today or pants? Of course, but I'm not going to stand up and show everybody. Uh, hey, can you uh, give us a, an update, maybe, on if there's any realistic possibility of Micah opting back in? And just maybe go over your situation at linebacker depth. Have you had to move people around with him not being around? What's the situation there? No, we're actually, you know, we're actually in a really good place. Um, we had great conversation with with Micah um and and both his mom and dad, you know, I think you guys know we had a really strong relationship with our whole family and you know I think there was legitimate um you know legitimate possibility for that happening, but as we continued to talk and continue to work with it, the timing of it uh you know made it made it challenging he he had been gone for so long and been in california training that 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 made it a little bit more complicated than we were able to work through so uh That that won't be happening. And uh, we understand the decision. And just like we were on the front end, supportive of the decision. Um, And in a lot of ways, you know, the time has allowed us to really kind of work through some of that. You know, obviously, there's a lot of excitement about, you know, Jesse Laqueta and Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith and Charlie Catcher and Lance Dixon. And then obviously the new guys as well, Curtis Jacobs and Zariah Fisher and Tyler Elsden. So we feel like we got a really good group there. there's flexibility there in terms of guys that we would consider more suited to be box backers, guys that we think are more suited to be field backers. And then obviously also the ability in today's day and age of college football of, of being able to play star and, uh, you know, our, our nickel situation where we play with five defensive backs. So, um, you know, we think we're in a good place. It, it's obviously a position of strength. You, you never want to lose players, but, Um, we feel like that's a position of strength for us and excited about what those guys are going to be able to do moving forward.
1: Rich Scarcella, Red Eagle.
0: Hi, James. How are you? Hey, Rich. Good, man. How are you? I'm all right. James, did you ever think you'd get to this point where you're beginning contact practice, full pass practice, and how confident are you or how nervous are you about everything going forward. When you say everything, that's kind of broad. Like, well, with, with I'm sorry, with regards to COVID. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I felt like there was a chance. I mean, obviously, you guys know I was pretty vocal in the beginning about, you know, making sure that me, my players, my players' parents, and my staff kind of understood, you know, the decision that was made in the first place, You know, making sure that we were you know, uh, understanding of that and and um, and how we got there. Um, you know, from that point on, um, you know, I felt like there was still hope um, that we could have a season. And I, you know, and obviously being able to spend some time watching the NFL and watching some of these other conferences and be able to learn from some of the things that they experienced, I think was helpful. Um, you know, and then in terms of, our process, I think, I, I think I've said this to you guys before, is you know that's that's why I was vocal, is I felt comfortable with what Penn State was doing, I was comfortable with what the Big Ten was doing, um, and then I think at the end of the day, Rich, it's it's about communication, right? It's it's about communicating with the parents, which I think is a really critical piece of this, and communicating with the players and the staff. And making sure everybody understands, um, and and I think the opting out thing was important—that everybody had the opportunity to opt out if they weren't comfortable with it. So being transparent about how we're going to to handle it, um, you know what our protocols are, uh, and then allow everybody to, to to make a choice: are they comfortable with that or not? And and then move forward. So. Um, you know, I, I think we're in a good place, but I do think the conversations with the parents have been critical. We got another call set up here soon uh, to give them the most latest information that we have. Uh, and then the same thing with our parents and, and our staff. And uh, I think one of the things we have to be careful of that I think was the mistake in some of the other sports is when you start testing every day, you know, that's not that's not a cure-all. Like that doesn't solve your issues. That's just another layer, you know, of protection. That's just another layer of, um, you know, of, of protocols. You know, the most important thing that we can do is our behaviors, you know, our choices of social distancing, wearing masks. I saw, I saw a really cool um, thing that someone put out the other day, and it kind of had the mask here, you know, um, and then it had the mask here. And then I had the mask under here and they kind of had it all kind of broken down about what, what each, you know, what each mean, I thought was pretty interesting, but um, yeah, I, I think for us, you know, we've gotten to a pretty good place. And I think the communication has been the most important part of all of it. But again, Rich, our behaviors are the most important thing that we got to continue working on. And I think some of the other leagues once they started testing every single day, especially in some of the professional leagues from the feedback we've gotten, it kind of gave everybody a false sense of security and they felt like they could just go back to living the way they were living and you're not going to be this. This is the new normal and we all have to embrace that.
1: Go to Audrey Snyder with The Athletic.
0: Hey, James, thanks for your time. Hey, Audrey. Um, I'm curious what practice is going to look like today for you guys in terms of, you know, obviously first day of pads, but you guys had been separating groups throughout to keep the numbers small. And uh, what do you think meetings in terms of everything still going to be on zoom this season, anything in the building in person, Um, and like even basic stuff that we probably take for granted, like, would you guys be using a hotel before home games still or no? Yeah, so all those things are being, you know, still worked out. And that's, again, that's conversations with the NFL. That's conversations with other colleges, me as a head coach, the operations staff, our medical staff, talking to other people, what they've learned. Um, You know, for us, we went... We went split practices longer than most, pretty much everybody that I look at and, and read articles about or see on TV. Everybody was practicing full practices for a long time. We, we weren't. We just started that last week. Um, I don't see anybody wearing masks at practice, and I know there's people that, that say to me, well, you know, there, there's not true evidence of I, – again, I would rather – go above and beyond with everything so we wear masks at every practice whether it's the full visor or visor and the cloth um we are still doing um zoom meetings we're still not meeting in person um as we continue to transition and continue to show that we're doing good in each one of these phases we'll we'll continue to kind of work back to that um so as 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 we practice as a full team and and uh, the everyday testing is going on. If it looks like we're getting into a pretty good routine with that and our medical people feel that we can get back to, to full meetings, which there's value of being able to meet in person. If we do it, Audrey, again, it's uh, I think for all of us, we can't think of like comparing it to how we used to be. So like that meeting may be one position group in, in Haluba. That may be using our team auditorium and our offense and defensive and meeting rooms as meeting rooms. That may be using part of the Morgan Center. That may be using East Area. So our in-person meetings may not be like they've been in the past. It's it's going to be different. Nothing is going to be the same. Um, again, like you're saying, you know, traveling to games. How are you doing it? Um, you know, the size of the plane is is a little bit of a challenge here in State College. Um, you know, at the hotels, who's serving the food? Like, you know, as you know, as football coaches, and I think you guys have gotten to know me pretty well, you know, every detail is going to matter and everything's got to be thought through. Um, and I think we all realize kind of back to, to Rich's point and Rich's question, we can't eliminate all risk. That, that's not realistic, but h- how many, how much, how many variables can we control? and that, that's what we're trying to do and again that's where the communication with our staff and with our parents and, and with the players is really important to get everybody to buy into that Paje from uh, Center Daily Times Hey coach thanks a lot for the time no um, it's not a short time but just so far how have you seen uh, you know Kirk Soraka working with Sean Clifford how has Soraka kind of helped to elevate Sean's game so far yeah, um, I, I, your Wi-Fi is breaking up a little bit, I think. But I think your question was about uh, Coach Sharaka and Sean Clifford. Um, you know, it's been good. You know, I, I've I, I've really enjoyed, you know, getting to work with Kirk and, and spending time with him. Um, you know, he's a pro. You know, I you know he's a football guy. I I love surrounding myself with players that love football. I love surrounding myself with staff. That love football, um, you know. I, I'm not a guy that that necessarily loves people that you know love playing golf. Like you know, uh, I want I want their life to revolve around their family, and and you know our program. And he's a football guy. He's in here early. Uh, he's here till late. He's talking football. He's thinking football. He's eating football. He's sleeping football great conversations with our staff, great conversations with the players. Uh, I know our players are excited. Um, It's just been really good, you know, and he's at a point in his career that, you know, there's, there's a lot of confidence that comes, you know, with his experience at this point of his career. And all the things that I knew about him, and then all the things that good friends of mine that we have in common, Uh, told me about have have come true and I think again you know me being transparent about what my expectations were and him being transparent about what his expectations it's made this transition pretty smooth you know pretty smooth for the the most part so you know uh, I see all of our quarterbacks improving Um, I see our wide receivers improving and I felt like really at a lot of other positions we had a chance to make a significant jump so, um, you know, it, it's one thing to do it in shorts, you know, and and dominate seven-on-sevens. It's another thing to put the pads on, and and uh, I'll have a better idea, you know, after we've done this for at least a couple of days.
1: Mike Gross, Lancaster Newspapers.
0: Good afternoon, James. How are you? Hey, Mike. Mike, how many cups of coffee have you had today? You, Several. I'm ready, baby. I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank, that's a good, that's an excellent point. It's an excellent uh, sort of scene setting point there. Um, where do you, where do you feel like
0: the the daily testing and the daily result and the you know short term results of the testing that was sort of categorized as a critical
1: element in the Big Ten deciding that they could come back. Uh, it
0: doesn't sound like you think it is that. I mean, you're talking about. Uh, our behavior is much more important. Um, what? How, how has that changed your your daily routine? How? What, what is the daily testing and daily results? How does that work? Give us a picture of that. Yeah, I, I, either I didn't do a good job of explaining, you know, what I meant on the front end, or or you misinterpreted what I was saying. I, I think the daily testing is a critical piece. What? What I? What I? What I was trying to state? Maybe I didn't do a good job of is the feedback that I've gotten from other coaches and other leagues and even other sports is that once people started testing every day, that people made mistakes that they felt like, okay, I can just go back to living like normal because I'm being tested every single day. And what I'm saying is this is just another layer of protection that we're putting in place we still have to continue to do the other things and this is this is helpful and it's impactful but this isn't like kind of the you know the thing that wipes the the, the whole canvas clean if that makes sense is that does that make sense mike could you unmute mike again or... yeah it does make
1: sense i
0: i i didn't mean to suggest that you were questioning the validity of the of the instant testing i yeah. Your, your answer was good. I yeah. got you. So, yeah, I think it was very important from the Big Ten perspective. What what I just want to make sure that I'm clear because my players read this, my parents read this stuff, and I just got done saying this very thing to them at the end of practice yesterday to emphasize it. This is awesome, and it allows us every single day to, to – to manage the the office and to manage the playing field, to make sure that, that we have as clean of a playing surface and office as we possibly can. James Franklin.
1: And I'll have more with him tomorrow night on the show. Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors key routes eleven and fifteen in Wharf and online at SunburyMotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right. High School Football Roundtable on tap tomorrow. And we'll keep everybody up to date on what's going on in baseball. The twin season's over. They lost to the Astros 3-1. Freddie Freeman delivered the game winner for the Braves in the bottom of the 13th. Now, remember, in postseason play, they're not putting the runner on second. You have to play it through. Well, today, Freddie Freeman delivered in the bottom of the 13th. Atlanta beat Cincinnati 1-0. Tampa Bay's winning over Toronto, and Oakland and the White Sox are also underway. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Roots, Eleven and Fifteen, and Hummel's Wharf.